Greetings, everybody. Welcome back to the Classroom 33 podcast. I'm Pastor Dustin here with Steve Prudian, and uh, we are still in Job chapter 13, and we're going to look at it a little bit differently today, I think. Steve? Do you remember what we talked about last week, Dustin? You know my brain doesn't work like well, that. Of we course talk, I we don't. We talked about verse 14. Yes, we did. In, um, in Job 13. And what was that about? It's about who is in control of your life. Okay. And what was what risk was Job taking in in verse 14 last week? Well, it was the verse it's the excuse me, it's the risk that he was not taking. He was not taking the risk to take his life into his own hands. He's secure with God having his life and having control over his life. Do you think that gave him confidence to be able to be able to ask the questions that he asked in this chapter? Oh, absolutely. Without that confidence, you can't. You can't go on to ask God how I've sinned and really and truly mean it and want that answer. Do we can can we go back to the very first chapter of Job? Yes. Okay. Verse 8. Verse 8. And would you read that verse and find the identifier of who Job is. Okay. It says, Job 1.8, Then the Lord asked Satan, Have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He's blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. And, and what, is, what, is the, what is the possessive positive in that statement? My. 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 Okay. And what is the subject? Servant. Servant. My servant, Job. Who is God? God is God. God is God. Who is Job? Job's just another guy. But he is? God's. He belongs to God. He belongs. He's committed to God. Look at what he attributes to Satan about his servant. He calls Job blameless, a man of complete integrity, a man who fears God and stays away from evil. Is not that an aim and ideal for us today? Oh, absolutely. That's, uh, that's the idea of sanctification in a nutshell. When you read that description of a man called Job, yep, and then you put a man called Dustin, Right. Or a man called Steve. Can we achieve that description of honor before God on our own? No. No. No, not even remotely. Okay, so, because we can't do it on our own, where does our help come from? Oh, I think it's casting crowns. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of the heavens and the earth. And who is our Lord? Jesus. And what purpose does Jesus serve in our representation before his Father? He serves as the mediator. So what would Jesus say about us if, in fact, Satan came to Jesus saying the same thing about Dustin? Or saying the same thing about Steve? He would say, he's mine. 
he would say, he's mine and you can't have him. But he would say more than that. Probably. What he would, what he would say is he would say good things about us because of the fact that we put our trust in him. Right. And when, right. And when God sees us, he sees us through the claim and through the eyes of his son. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. guess what, Dustin? Both you and I, because of what Jesus has done, God says those things about us. Now, mm-hmm. do, you ever oh, have a, do you ever have a bad day, Dustin? I have plenty of them, yeah. Okay. Do you have things that go against you? Sure. Ever have sickness or disease? Absolutely. Ever have sorrow and weightiness? Yep. Have you ever lost anything? Yes. Take, had things taken away? Oh, absolutely, See, so yes. you have suffered lost. Yep. Welcome to the Job Club. <laughs> exactly, yes. However, exactly. belonging to the Job Club comes with another three-letter word. It's the Club of God. Yep, it is. Okay, and within the Club of God, no matter what happens to us on Satan's earth... The one thing that he can't take away from us, which God declares to Satan he cannot take from Job, is he cannot take Job's life. Right. Can Satan take our life if we belong to Jesus Christ? No. He cannot take our life. He may be able to afflict our physical lives. Oh, sure. However, he can only afflict the temporary. He can't afflict the eternal. Oh, right, yeah. However, how many of us are strong enough like Job, under attack, even the attack of his friends, motivated by the chief attacker of all, Satan, Mm -hmm. maintain our integrity? How hard is that for us to do? It's really hard. What are we we called to do? What are we called to do to be able to do that? We've got to trust. Got to trust. We've got to trust God and put our faith in him, put our faith in Christ. When Jesus went through his own persecution, Mm -hmm. okay, in the face of Satan. Yep. What did Jesus use in order to trump or defend himself in the face of Satan? What did he use? He used prayer in the Word of God. He I'm used, thinking. I'm thinking of the garden right. the night he was the night he was betrayed. He used prayer for the strength to overcome what he was facing. But uh, in the in the temptation that in we generally tempt- think about after right. his baptism, he used scripture. He used scripture. He yep. stood on the Word of God. He did. You want to know something? What's that? We're not smart enough within our own reason. To outreason Satan. He's been around longer. Right. And he knows more tricks, okay, than we can even imagine. But there is one thing that he can't out-trick, and that's the Word of God. Because what is said about the Word of God, how long does it last? Forever. Forever. Can it be dismissed? No. Can it be whitewashed? Mm-mm. Men will try. They and they do. Satan actually twisted, whitewashed the word of God to Adam and Eve. 
Well, he whitewashed it to Jesus. That's what uh-huh. part of that temptation is all about, is the fact that Satan, in that temptation, twisted Scripture in a way that it was never intended in order to get Jesus to sin. It's interesting that Satan plays these games on man who is created by God, mm-hmm. who's a little lower than the angels. But it didn't stop there. Right. Because Satan played the same game on the angels themselves. Oh, he did. That's why a third of them got thrown out of heaven with him. Exactly. So, knowing that about Satan, aren't you glad that we have an example, one in Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. who withstood him and stood upon the Word of God? Right. And And then we have another man, much like ourselves, who chose his integrity in his relationship before God as the highest thing of value that he had. And under persecution and under really pain and and torture by his friends, because Lily was going through mental torture by his friends. Right. He retained his integrity and he still honored and defended God. Mm-hmm. Was it wrong for Job to wonder why he was suffering? No, not at all. Do you wonder why when bad things happen to you while you're suffering? Sure I do. I think we all do. But yet, I've mentioned before that a lot of people do not believe the book of Job belongs in the Bible. They're welcome to their opinions, I guess. But the fact is, is I'm glad he's there. I'm glad he is, too, because if we only had Jesus... As an example of how to have that faith in the face of adversity, then many of us, myself included, would default to Jesus was also fully God, and he could do what I can't do, and would then justify doing something sinful, I guess, in in reaction to adversity. So adversity happens, and I would decide that, well, I can't do what Jesus did. I can't stand on my faith. He was only able to do that because he was also God. And so I'm, I'm just going to use that as an excuse to do something I'm, I know I'm not supposed to do. And... I think that's in a lot of ways how how some people end up in addiction because they're using that excuse. Now, with Job, Job's not God in any way, shape, or form. He is fully and only human. And he has virtually the same resolve that Jesus had. And so if Job can do it, without having the gospel, then I don't really have much of an excuse, do I? No, you don't. You know, I think it takes a special heart 
to connect with God. You have mm -hmm. to have the desire to be in relationship with God. Today, yeah. you need to have a desire to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. You do. Yes. Okay? It just doesn't happen unless you invite it, unless you invite Jesus in. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know anybody who's stumbled blindly into faith. It's, pos it's possible that a person can stumble into the invitation of faith. Absolutely. And not know it until they actually have been exposed to it. And then it becomes a new truth. It's like a light being turned on in a room. Oh, absolutely. That happens. But to actually stumble and fall and land in faith. It's usually after landing that faith is what gets you out of whatever you stumbled and fell into. I can't speak for other people because I don't really know the depth of other people's lives. Right, okay. I can only speak for myself. Mm -hmm. A good part of my life when I was younger, till I was about 18, I had no need to know God. Right. I could take care of everything pretty much myself as far as how I interpreted what was important in my world. There was no concept mm -hmm. of an eternal world. Right. There was just my world. Mm -hmm. My world today. Until... I realized that I had a need. A need was revealed. The information would have made no difference. Right. I had to be in the position of need to be able to understand. Okay. And it was out of that need that I paid attention. I didn't understand everything that I needed to know at that moment, but really nobody does. I don't think nobody can. However, God will meet you right where you're at. The old song, Just As I Am, mm -hmm. that's just how he got me. Yep. And so subsequently, it was up to him to reveal himself to me, and he's done that over the years, and he still does it today. It's amazing. Almost 60 years later, mm -hmm. almost 60 years later, he still has something new to say and to teach. I'm glad about something. What's that? I'm glad that there is an Old Testament. I am too. Because if all I had was a New Testament, I wouldn't know that God was with men from the beginning. Right. I wouldn't have known that it was God who made men. Right. If I didn't know that a man without Jesus could have a relationship with God, then I would be, I'd have something missing in my faith today. Mm -hmm. But when I go back and I think about godly men in the Bible who had a relationship with God in which they could talk to him openly. 
Right. And I think of Seth, the replacement son to Abel. Right. Who is in the Hebrews Hall of Fame. Yep. When I think of the fact that one of his great-grandsons, who was so God was so pleased with because of the conversation that he walked with him on a regular basis. Yep. And that was Enoch. And you know what? It's funny that God would like a child so much that he would actually have that child bypass the curse of death mm-hmm. to be with him. But yet we saw that again with another child of God. Yes, we th- did. That who made mistakes, but he was still a child of God. But yet right. he had fears and he had doubts. And he was much like Job. He wished that he could die at times. Yes, he did. And that was Elijah. Yeah. But Elijah did not face death because God was pleased with Elijah and he called Elijah to be with him alive. Yep. So we have Enoch and we have Elijah alive who've never died with God today. Right. I still got hope. You do. <laughs> Maybe I should be talking more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But the thing Maybe. is, the Maybe. thing is, is, is that the evidences that I find in the Old Testament, Job included, okay, who isn't even in the line of Jesus? Right. That God loved Job and spoke highly of Job. Yes. And what that tells me is this, okay, that before I ever knew God, God knew me and God knew you and God knows anyone else who's listening. Right. And it's interesting that even the trials and the tribulations that Jesus talked about, they're not a surprise to God. No. Because he knew us before we were born. He knew every day of our lives. And he knows when, okay, the time is that he will want us in his kingdom, just like he did with Enoch and Elijah. Now, Enoch and Elijah probably could have lived many more years longer on the face of this earth. But God had a better plan. Yes, he did. So we get to Job, and if we get to Job and we look at some of the verses, would you take a look at verse 3? I am going to ask you this question. And in verse 3, okay, okay, I'd like to think about what could possibly be the answer. In verse 3, Job says it's his chief desire to speak with God, with yep. Father God. What do you think he wants to speak about? But go ahead and read the verse so people can know the text of what we're talking about. All right. Job thirteen three. As for me, I would speak directly to the Almighty. I want to argue my case with God himself. So... That's a, that's a great verse, and it does point us in a direction... Um, and I'm going to kind of come at this in a little bit of a roundabout way. You had asked me to look at this through a lens, mm-hmm. a very specific lens of whether or not, based on Job's arguments, would I find him guilty? Mm-hmm. You're going to be the judge. I'm going to be the judge, except what's uh, with my background, what I did was I looked at it and 
put it into that lens, I looked at Job as a man representing himself in a court of law. You should tell people what your background is. Okay, my background is law enforcement. So I'm looking at this. From the perspective, Job is representing himself and in a court of law, and this is it really kind of reads, in that context, it reads almost like a closing statement, like, close, like closing arguments. And who's the prosecutor? Well, what's interesting is that in this particular situation, the prosecutor is his friend's. And there is no jury. And the judge even seems to be absent. But in this, in this scenario and in, through this lens and kind of in this thing that I'm doing in my head to try, and, to try and picture it and putting it into this court of law, what it seems like is Job is presenting his closing arguments. Generally, that's something that's presented to the jury. Unless you do the, trial without jury. Unless you're a trial without... But then it's addressed to the judge. Uh-huh. The defense does not ever directly address the prosecution. In our court system of today, Job would be found in contempt of court for what he is doing because he is addressing the prosecutor directly. Because there isn't an actual victim. When does he call for the judge? He's, well, th this is interesting, <laughs> okay? I, I had a feeling you were going to go there. Um, but this is interesting. In the law enforcement, in my law enforcement background, in the court, To, to, put God, to put God into it, in order for us to be prosecuted, we have to have committed a crime. And the person against whom we've committed the crime is the plaintiff, right? So I can't be charged for assault unless I've assaulted somebody. In the case of sin, you've assaulted God. Normally, we put God in the judge's chair. Mm -hmm. But in this particular situation, and really in all of them, all right, but this is kind of highlighting it for me, and this is a little bit of a, of a paradigm shift, right? God is the victim because I have sinned against God. And that's what Job is saying here. He's saying, where's the victim? Where is the victim so I can learn my crime from them? Your, your county attorney or your district attorney or whatever, they don't manufacture charges to bring people. Were not his prosecutors manufacturing charges? They were manufacturing charges. But in our court system today, that isn't what happens um, the most of the time, okay? I... We won't get into we won't get into evil people in positions of power. We'll just talk what's in the story. We'll just talk with what's in the story. But they are manufacturing charges against Job. They are saying, You have sinned against God. You've assaulted God. 
And Job is saying, please bring God in. Where, where is he? I want to talk to him. I want to hear, I want to hear from God. I want to hear directly from the horse's mouth what I did. In some of the previous chapters, his friends accused him of mistreating his servants. Yeah. They accused him of stealing from others. Right. And where are these victims? Where are these victims? As, as an accused person in the United States of America in 2023, I have the right to face my accuser. That accuser is not the attorney. That accuser is the victim, the claimant, the plaintiff, whatever you want to call him. But I get to address the person who is making the claim against me. They're manufacturing things. There is no victim. I think Job is staying pretty cool through this whole thing, going through three rounds of false accusations. Three so far. Right. And what did he say in the beginning of this chapter that his friends were going to have to face? I think you're referring to verse 2 when he says, I know as much as you do. You don't know any better than I do. What he's saying is they're the ones that are telling the lies. Right. And he says, and God knows, and God's going to yep. find you out. And what do you think he's going to do when he does? That's what he's saying. Yep. What do you think he's going to do when he does? And he says, you guys are no good. He calls them quacks. He does. Right. He does. Guys Actually, no good. I, uh, um, to quote my, uh, my old chief, um, he would refer to these so-called friends of Job's in terms he used for lawyers that he didn't like. He called them weasels. He, mm-hmm. They're weasels. They're, they're no good attorneys. No. They're manufacturing stuff. They're not following the rules. They're just trying to get him to look and be guilty. Because that's their that's their goal. Their goal is not justice. Their goal is their win. Right. It's all about their win, irregardless of justice. Right. His friends have told Job he gets what he deserves because of what he's done. Right. But it's funny that an innocent person will maintain their innocence even under the threat of death. Yes, they will. And Job is, has this type of integrity, as God said he did, that he would remain his, keep his integrity in spite of whatever Satan threw at him. And it was Job who was willing to offer up his life, if need be. Yep. And who else offered up their life because the need was there? Jesus did. Jesus. He offered yep. up his life. But did he offer up his life for anything that he did wrong? No. No. He offered he offered up his life for the areas that you and I know we're guilty under. Oh, absolutely. And and the areas we don't know we're guilty under. Mm-hmm. And not only did Jesus die for your sins and my sins, but he would have died for Job's too. 
Is there anything wrong with trying to understand why you are suffering? Yes. Explain that. Okay. When the why, when the search for why leads to sin, then it's a problem. And I'm going to use my own life as an example, because when my brother passed away, I was young. Um, I would say I had a shallow faith. I wouldn't say I had no faith, but it was shallow, um, superficial. And I didn't understand the why. My brother had leukemia, battled two years, um, in remission, came back. And he unjust up, suffering, unjust suffering. It was completely unjust to a 17 year old kid. I, I'm now 40 and I still don't understand how it's just, but I'm going to get to that in a minute. Um, I looked for the why I tried to find the why I tried to understand the why ask God why. Why, 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 why? I mm -hmm. didn't get an answer. Job doesn't get an answer. I don't get an answer. Job didn't get an answer and went, okay, I still trust you. Even without knowing why, I guess I'm just going to have to accept that and move forward. I didn't accept it. I got angry. I get angry at God. Now I'm... Now... Because I'm angry at God, I think I know better. I turn my back on God, and now I'm putting myself... I'm saying that God is wrong. That's really why I'm angry, is because how about I think... He, how about he didn't perform? He didn't do what I thought he was going to do. Perform. He didn't He didn't answer. Didn't, didn't, didn't get answer. up to bat. He didn't answer my prayers. He didn't do what I thought he was going to do. All these different things. Why did this happen to me? He did nothing wrong. He didn't deserve this. And here I am judging God, right? Hello, pride. And idolatry. I'm putting myself as a God next to, next to the God. What's it like to feel abandonment? Oh, it's horrible. Absolutely horrible. So through that, there was that sin, right? Now, 20... 22 years later, 23 years later, um, almost 24, completely different scenario. Why? Me. I changed. And here's, and here's the difference. The difference is not anything that God has done. Because my brother didn't come back. There was no Lazarus moment for that. I have learned how to trust God. And even when I don't know why God does, I can still trust who God is. And here's Job. Before 
before, during the promise of Abraham, right? There is not a chosen people. And here's Job, whose only way of knowing is through having a relationship with other people who have had relationship with God in the past. He must have known some descendant from Noah and his family that maintained a relationship with God along the way to know who God is. And that's so much less than what I have in the Bible when you look at the amount, but he knew somebody who knew God. And he got introduced to God that way. And so he knew God and he trusted God. And even though he didn't know the why, he didn't know why God does. Why did God do this? I don't know. But I trust God. I trust God more than I trust myself. I trust God more than I trust you. That doesn't stop him from asking the question. So asking why in and of itself is not a sin. It's not sinful. In many cases, it's right and good to ask. Jesus says, ask, and you will be answered. I found it an interesting statement. Okay. A practice that Job had in the beginning in the book of Job that he continues in the last chapter right. of Job. The practice that he had is he had a practice of making prayers mm -hmm. on behalf of others. Yep, he did. And he also had the knowledge of the value of sacrifice. Yes. On behalf of others. Correct. And Job, for his children and even for his persecutors, mm -hmm. he intercedes and asks God's favor. Yep. God's blessings upon them. Basically, he's asking God to not hold their sins to their charge. Man, does that sound familiar. <laughs> Isn't that sound familiar? Uh, quite, yes. Okay. So, what I was going to say about Job is Job is really a mirror of how we're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. in times of trial and tribulation without the answer to the why. Right. Like your brother, there's no, there may be a medical answer, but that is not the answer you're looking for. You're looking for the miraculous answer. Right. And it didn't come. Many times we have prayers, but we're praying in our will. Yep. Not God's will. I agree. And when we don't get our will... We say, well, geez, God, you didn't do the miracle. You didn't do the trick. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, why Why don't I get a miracle? Yeah, so what happens is, is oftentimes we get confused mm -hmm. with the value of our religion. Oh, yes. To how God really works. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Okay? And the thing is, is, is that... Trust is born out of sorrow. Trust has no value if it doesn't know what sorrow is. No, because 
if things, and this is really what Satan is contending in the first chapter, Job's never been, his faith hasn't ever been tested. Just favored. Just favored. He's only ever been favored. He's never had his faith tested. You know, in business, in business, when I first started out, I would be sent to all these seminars on Mm -hmm. positive thinking. Oh. Okay. The the power of positive thinking. The power of positive thinking, okay? Yes. And and that sounded really familiar, okay, Mm -hmm. to a religious group that says you can name it and claim it. Cause Doesn't that's Because that's positive <laughs> thinking. That is positive thinking. Well, you know what? There's nothing wrong about having a good attitude. Nope. As long as that good attitude is rightfully centered on God's will, not your will. Right. But usually positive thinking, and you can name it and claim it, was rather selfish. Oh, yes. Because it was for your benefit only. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do we exist on this earth for what we can benefit only? No. Was Job's life a life that he benefited only? No. And how do we know that? Well, we know that other people have benefit from it. Case in point, you and I talking about it right now. There's still benefit to Job's life. He did not exist only for his own benefit, but in his actions. And back to Satan's accusations, Job wanted other people to have the benefit that he was getting. He wanted other people to have the reward that God was giving. God was blessing him richly, for his for his righteousness, for his obedience, for his faith. And so he prayed for other people. He sacrificed for other people so that they might have the blessing that he's received from God. Did you know that in the book of Job, in further into the book, yep. there's a chapter. In the chapter I would call it Job's funeral chapter. Okay. 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 Because Job reminisces his life with God and all of the benefits of his life with God and how it has affected other people because of his standing. Okay. Okay. You could say it would be the epitaph of Job's life. Okay. And any one of us, you or I or any one of us, if we could have half of what is said on Job's epitaph would be way more than what any of us deserve. So what's interesting is if you look at the qualities of Job's life further on in this book that he mm-hmm. reminisces about right. before all of this stuff is happening, okay? Mm-hmm. You sit and you say, if I could only be like Job. But many times we say, Oh, my life is like Job because I got problems. Yep. Okay. But I found it interesting that in the midst of all of Job's suffering and problems, in comes this chapter 
where Job remembers the goodness of God. And he remembers his value mm -hmm. because of the goodness of God and how his value affected all kinds and types of other people. Right. So the question is, you never know through the suffering you go through what kind of value you'll come out with at the end. And if we go to Job 42, Job comes out much better off in the end. Right. Okay, then for the three months that this scenario is playing out in his life. Okay, 90 days of horror, okay? Yep. For another chance at life with multiple blessings beyond the first blessings. Mm -hmm. What does that sound like to you and me? It sounds like hope. It sounds like our eternity. Yep. We go through this short period of life to experience a bountiful new life with many blessings that we can't even imagine. Because Job didn't know about what was going to happen, how he was going to come out on the other end. No, he didn't. But we know from reading this mm -hmm. word, okay, not only are we forgiven and we have eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ in his heaven, but we have all of the riches and the blessings and the benefits of heaven, which this earth cannot provide, right? cannot compare. So we have a life like Job's for a while, but then we have a life like Job's at the end. And that's what we should be focusing on. Absolutely. Can you suffer a little bit for that? I think so. I think so. I think so. Did Jesus suffer a lot for that? He did. I think so. And what was the purpose? So we wouldn't have to suffer for eternity. Right. Okay. But the converse of not suffering for eternity is receiving the blessings of eternity. Mm-hmm. And a rich blessing it is. Uh, you know that one of, uh, one of two members of our church had a brother that just had a funeral this last weekend. Yes. Uh, I don't like calling them um, funerals. I like to call them basically going home ceremonies. Okay. And um, you know we had a member of our church this Saturday, because you were here, who celebrated an aged birthday. Yes. Was on it. Well, the two brothers who go to our church, when I saw them um, that Saturday morning, during the time they were here, you were having the party here, mm -hmm. I reminded the both of them. I says, you know, it's funny. I just left a celebration celebrating a person's earthly birth. And I says, and here I am now with you celebrating a heavenly birth. From a perspective, yeah. And I said, you know, I says, the earthly births, they all come to an end. But the heavenly births have no ending. You know, and that is our hope. That is our promise in the Lord. Yes, it is. It I, doesn't, it doesn't change, it doesn't change some of the hurt of grief, but... It certainly takes a lot of the sting away, doesn't it? Yeah. I was reminded not too long ago of something that I couldn't, 
I thought I was just talking. You know, sometimes you get in a business mind, or you get into a professional mind mm-hmm. of talking oh, to yeah. a person about your profession. And I was talking to a person about axioms within the business world. Okay? Okay. Okay, rules within the business world that have benefit. Okay? And one of those things, after I said it, it dawned on me that that's what Jesus wants for us. My statement was this. I said, you know, there has to be a benefit to doing business with someone you don't know. Hmm. I said, because I says, when I used to go looking for customers, they didn't know me. All I knew is, is they had a place of business and mm-hmm. I had a product or a service that I wanted to promote. Right. I says, it took me a while to discover that people didn't want to hear what I had to promote. They were fine without me before I showed up. They could be fine without me after I leave. Right. What I found out was what was really missing was the value of the relationship. Right. Okay. It wasn't the product that was important. It was the value of the relationship. And until I could bring that value to a prospective customer, nothing was going to happen. And in reality, it's the same thing about faith. Yep. Too many, too many organizations try to sell faith, but they fall short because they forget that faith doesn't work without relationship. What that means is, is is that our life without the relationship in Jesus Christ is just our life. We don't have a partner to help us until we take that partner on. But that partner says, do you want to partner up with me? And you have to get to the point of realizing that that partner has something valuable, a resource that can come along your side and help you to be better than you are without him absolutely absolutely sounds like something that was actually written by somebody who is incredibly wise yes but i think that's a conversation for another day it is a conversation for another day all right um any uh foreshadowing anything no. you want to leave us with no we uh, didn't get very far this sunday like we didn't get very far today yeah <laughs> okay. i know we got we got to verse three yeah we had a we had a we had a pre-talk which which didn't include any of this and now <laughs> and now we have a totally different talk yeah okay we've gotten to what verse maybe two <laughs> yeah and now you see how the class goes i do see how the class goes the problem is is if you ask people to talk mm-hmm. you got to allow them to say exactly and if exactly. you allow them to say, then you have to allow other people to have their say. Right. Otherwise, you don't have a discussion. And now we've been talking for a little over an hour, close to an hour. Mm-hmm. And there's only two of us. Right. Right. And we, and we haven't even touched on another 25 verses. <laughs> no. No, we haven't. But that's okay. Well, Dustin, you know what? This is not what's called a theological treatise. It is not. No, this is just called called the meeting of wandering minds. (laughs) (laughs) 
And I'm certainly glad you recognize that mine wanders, but I think we're going to end our wandering here for That's today. That's fine. All right. Thank you very much for coming in, Steve. Great to have You're you. You're welcome. Bye. 